Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your beautiful hosts, Mike Ludwig, Kyle Mersh, and Wyatt Teeter on this week's episode 76. So, we're going to be talking about the college football, the college football, uh, the NCAA and Major League Baseball, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions. Oh, you called me beautiful. I, I appreciate did. that. Oh, you're did. my favorite, Wyatt. Oh, I really thanks. appreciate that. I do my best. Wow, I see we're picking favorites here today. Hey, I called you beautiful, too. Thank you. You didn't call me beautiful, though, Kyle, so... Mike, you are beautiful. Oh, thank you, Kyle. I appreciate that. You're also my favorite. We all we all need some quarantine love right now. <laughs> anyway, what? That's what we're here to talk about, right? No, we're here to talk about love. Yeah. How I much mean, we love, love the cyclones. I love the cyclones. Do you know what else I love? Jamie Pollard. Jamie Pollard has done an incredible job steering the uh, Iowa State Athletics Department through this this crisis. So just to fill you in on all the details. So because the Big 12 tournament and NCAA tournament didn't happen, um, Iowa State Athletics Department was facing about a $5 million um budget shortfall this year right that was about the amount of money they that was the amount of money they were due to get from the ncaa tournament and big 12 tournament so they've got to find a way to replace for clarification do they still get money from the ncaa tournament if they don't make it yes because it has to do with the tv yeah because it still has to do with the tv revenue Okay, I just wanted to clarify so it's part it's part of the n so the ncaa allocates or evenly distributes revenue from their championships, right, to all of their member schools. So the NCAA tournament revenue gets distributed to all its members, all the member schools, regardless if they make it. The Big 12 tournament revenue gets distributed to all the Big 12 schools, regardless if they make it. Well, everyone makes the Big 12 tournament. Well, right, regardless of how deep you make it. Yes, exactly. Regardless, you don't get more money for going deeper in the Big 12 tournament. Well, you do, or at least in the NCAA tournament, you do. You also get money, your school also gets money for winning games, but that's outside of the the regular allocation that the NCAA gives from it. So so some schools, but schools don't budget for that money because you just never know. You don't budget for money for winning things. You just budget for, you know, what you're going to get if they happen because it always happens, right? But it didn't. Anyway, so they are five minute, uh, $5 million short. Um, Jamie Pollard took the lead among national athletic directors in taking decisive action um, to, to deal with this. He got uh, his coaches, um, including uh, Coach Campbell and Coach Prohm and Coach Fenley being the three biggest ones, to agree to take a 10% pay cut for this year um, and then agree to no bonus or pay, no bonuses or pay increases over the next year. So that um, has saved the athletic department about uh, $4 million, made up about $4 million of that $5 million uh, gap. They're going to look at other ways to um, make up that last million. 
my guess is that it will probably just come from the general athletic department's savings account, which last time I looked at those numbers two to three years ago, definitely had more than enough to cover um, that $1 million shortfall. So presumably they haven't fired anybody since then, right? No big coaches have gotten fired in the last three years? Nope. No. Yeah, and it already it's, had... Been. It was like the the one coaching change as of late was the soccer coach, but... There's no big buyout on a soccer big coach. Buyout for that. So, um, yeah. So, yeah, then and it already had Coach Rhodes' buyout factored in there, and there was a dip in there for that. But, yeah, so there should be plenty of money to make up that from the... The, the savings account if they need to obviously that's not ideal right because you like to save that for you know big big things not well i guess this is a big thing so i guess that's what it's there for so they will use it for that um but right the thing i just want to say is right so iowa state right is long been regarded as one of the most financially stable athletic programs right maybe they aren't the most successful on the competition arena but financially, right, they're one of the they're one of the few that actually is profitable on a given year. Most lose money on a given year and things like that. So this is how a really well-run athletic department is having to respond. Imagine what some of the ones at the small schools where they don't get as much revenue or the even the, the power five institutions that don't make money under normal circumstances that aren't profitable under normal circumstances. Imagine how much those are hurting, right? This has a big, big, um, big issue here in, or this will be a big issue here across the NCAA and athletic programs. And we'll get more to that in a little bit. Um, but the other thing I wanted to talk about in regards to, uh, Iowa state sports is Jamie Pollard was, uh, has told the NCAA before, they made the decision to allow uh, spring sport athletes to get another year of eligibility. He had come out and said that he was was strongly in favor of that happening. Um, he said, yes, it will cost the school, it will cost the athletic department uh, uh, just under $500,000 to be able to do that when you factor in scholarship costs. Um, but, right, he said he was looking at it, the perspective for his spring athletes to just lose a year like that. And you know, looking back on it in and from his perspective, looking back on it in 20 years, right? He knew if he didn't support it, it would be one of those things he would regret 20 years from now is not letting those kids play another year. So he was was strongly in favor of that, despite the cost. So I just have like I have so much respect for Jamie Pollard and the job that he continuously does for this program. Like he is the top tier athletic director in the country in all of like NCAA uh, division one programs. Um, he's, he's a strong uh, proponent for like the actual athletes themselves. He's not always worried just about the money. He really actually cares about the program. And you look at some, um, Oh, John Curry in recent memory was the athletic director of K-State and then he went to Tennessee and wherever he go went, he left a trail of like blood behind him. He basically murdered every single athletic department that he was a part of just because of the decisions that he makes. And everybody loves Jamie Pollard. And it's going to be very interesting to see how other athletic departments around like the Big 12 and around the country have to respond to this 
this crisis that's that's happening right now with the lack of revenue uh, that these that these major uh, major schools and even not the major schools the like the non power five schools in basketball at least that Mike was referring to um, they don't get that money in their budget so they're going to be really hurting um, in order to pay their coaches and like handle scholarships too for the next for the coming years so. It's going to be very interesting to see how this changes the landscape. And it's already it's already being seen as some high school athletes are some at more than normal. Some uh, senior high school basketball athletes are uh, deciding to play overseas now instead of going to college. But there are other decisions, but uh, based on that, but it's going to hurt athletic departments even further coming up. So we'll see. And we'll just keep talking about the NCAA, Mike. Yeah. So, right, and we're talking about athletic departments, right, being in trouble, right, which, I mean, a lot of them already are just based on what we have now. But, right, imagine how screwed they're going to be if we can't have uh, a college football season next year, right? Let's just just think about that, right? So if we look at the numbers, right, um, average revenue for a college football program is $32 million, right? So if there is no football season next year, right, the average, universe, the average athletic department is out $32 million, right? There are only three sports, there are only three, um, three college sports that are on average um, profitable for universities. Football, men's basketball, and men's hockey for the schools that have it are the only three sports that are profitable. Now, there are some exceptions to that. Like at Iowa and Iowa State, wrestling is also profitable because it's so popular. At schools like Oregon State, baseball is also profitable, right? But on average, those are the only three sports that are profitable. And football essentially pays for the rest of the athletic department for the entire season, right? If there is no football season this year, at the very least, you're going to have athletic departments that are going to have to cut sports, right? Athletic departments are just going to have to cut, start cutting non-revenue sports left and right. Think about your soccers, your track and fields, your lacrosses, your cross countries, things like that. Yes, things like that that aren't right. Those are the things that are in danger of being cut if football season can't happen, right? All those student athletes, right, there'd just be no more programs, right? And that's if athletic departments don't have to fold completely without this money, right? There might be, if there's no football season, there might be athletic departments that have to fold completely, um, for the lack of that revenue, right? That's how important college football is to the um, to the whole college athletic landscape, right? So for everybody who right who doesn't right think football matters that much, right? It matters because it's profitable, right? Even if you don't like football, if you like college sports, you better like college football because none of them would exist without college football and without this college football season. So this college football season needs to happen. There have been lots of talk about it. There's been talk about moving it up and playing it in July. 
there's been talk about playing it next spring. So spring 20, the, the 2020 football season will be played in spring 2021. Right. They, they are desperate to play this college football season no matter what. They, I mean, athletic it, departments it, are in big trouble without it. It comes down to the fact that they have to play it no matter what in order to survive. It's And it's not just from the student-athletes' perspective that they need that time in order to get noticed or recognized to potentially play professionally. It's There will be, like, the face of the NCAA landscape will be completely mutilated and devastated without football happening. Like, there will be, for some schools, there will be no more athletic departments, as Mike alluded to. And it's going to be very, very tough uh, for some of those institutions to just continue to provide, um, like, places for students to actually play. Um, No scholarships will be hard for for a lot of student athletes who depend on that money in order to go to college to get their education as well as playing sports. So there's such a huge trickle down impact that takes place without college football taking place. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I think this college football season is going to happen in some way, shape or form, but, like economically for college athletics in general, it needs to happen or college athletics will just fold pretty much. So, and that would be sad. That'd be a very sad thing to see. So I hope that doesn't happen because I like college sports. Go Cyclones. What would we do if we could talk about college sports? That's not, that's not an end of the episode. Go Cyclones. That's a, that's a, we need hope and positivity. Go Cyclones. Yes, it is. But I'm the next thing I'm going to say does not bring hope or positivity. The next fact I'd like to inform you all is a Major League Baseball-related fact, unless anybody else has anything more about the NCAA they want to talk about. I do not. Th- doesn't sound like it. Is the very sad MLB fact. So April 1st of this year, the very sad MLB fact, April 1st of this year was the first April day, so the first day in April, period, that there was no MLB game since 1883. 1883. That's, That's like 143 crazy. years. Every day in April for 143 years, there's been at least one MLB game. Until this year, where the, until April 1st of this year, where there was no MLB game. That's that's what unprecedented ground we're at right now, right? This has not happened right in 143 years. Right, two world wars didn't even stop MLB games from getting played. That's the kind of unprecedented ground we're at here. But anyway, baseball is preparing for the season to start at some point. We don't know when that'll be. Maybe July is what I've heard. Who knows? Hopefully, at some point it will start. Um, and so uh, there's just been some more details trickling out about the labor agreement and how it will. Um, Uh, that we talked about last week. Um, The two interesting things I want to note is how it affects uh, contracts and service time, and then as well as suspensions. So this year, regardless of how many games are played, um, will count, even if no games are played, will count as a 
will count as a full year on contracts go. So if you have somebody um, with one year left on their contract, right, they will be a free agent after this year. Even if the season doesn't get played, they will become a free agent. Um, for those younger players who are still in their pre-arbitration and arbitration years, so their first six years in the major leagues, their service time for this season, if the season isn't played, will be the equivalent to what it was last year. So if you were up for half the year last year, you will get another half year of service time this year. Um, if the season does get played, obviously, you know, you'll get service time based on how much you played of the season. So if they play 100 games and you're up for 100 games, you'll get a full year of service time, even though that's not a full um, year. The other thing um, is suspension. So there are multiple players who were suspended near the end of last year who have suspensions carrying over into this year or maybe were suspended during spring training before it was suspended. So the way that suspensions are going to work is the number of games left on your suspension now will not be prorated based on the number of games that actually played. So I'm going to use Michael Pineda as an example, pitcher for the Twins, because I know his the specifics of his suspension. He has 39 games left on a PED suspension from last year. No matter how many games are played from this season, he will be suspended for 39 of them. If they play all 162 games somehow, he'll be suspended 39 games. If they only get 100, he'll still be suspended 39 games. Now, if this season doesn't get played at all, those suspensions will just be will be gone, right? He, you won't have to serve the suspension in 2021 if there is no 2020 season, but you will have to serve the full extent of it in um, whatever happens of the 2020 season if it happens. So, and I think that makes sense. Serve your suspensions. Yeah, I mean, you did the crime, serve the time. I mean, yeah, makes sense to me. That's That's how I view it. I mean... These definitely are interesting circumstances, nonetheless, but I don't think the circumstances should cancel out the um, the the reason why you were penalized in the first place, why you were serving a suspension. Now, it makes sense, obviously, that if this season isn't played, that in the 2021 season, there will be, like, those suspensions won't have to be served, like, you should have been able to serve your suspension in this year. You shouldn't have to carry that over into the next season. So, Agreed. I'm, Agreed. I'm completely in favor of what the MLB did. So, Yeah, the MLB is making good progress and hopefully gearing up for a season. They're coming up with all kinds of plans and different ways they might want to start the season, so we'll just have to wait and see what happens and hope. Hope there's baseball. We could all use baseball right now. So we could very much all use baseball. I, so I agree doing. with that. Um, yeah. So what does that leave us with, Wyatt? We just got our signature segments left. Dang. As far as like there, like there isn't much to talk about, man. We are flying through this week's episode. That's what happens when there's no sports. We, just, we fly. So if we're getting into our uh, signature segments, does that mean uh, it's my turn to do my favorite segment? Is that it does. Cool? You can yes. uh, just keep on talking about your rules. What kind of rule do you have for us this week? Today we are going back to 
football for our, like like our football, not like soccer football. Like we talked about that last week. I've I've had enough of talking about that, and I only talked about it for one rule. So hopefully, no more of that is coming. We're going to talk about something that came to my attention that happened um, in November of 1973 in an Iowa State football game, uh, and we're going to talk about that. So what happened in that game is Iowa State's quarterback. Um, was running a quarterback draw and found some space up the middle and was uh, running down the Oklahoma State sideline when a backup offensive lineman for Oklahoma State ran off the sideline and uh, tackled him, which, you know, you're not allowed to do, which, you know, is on a list of things football players shouldn't do, right? So you know you shouldn't do it, but we've never explained what the penalty is we're doing it. So in the case, um, in the case of something like this happened, where something illegal happened, that um, that basically that directly stopped a touchdown from happening, right? So coming off the field to making a tackle, somebody throw right, somebody on the sideline throws a football at the guy who's running to score a touchdown, right? If, if something illegal happened that prevented an obvious touchdown from happening, the officials have the discretion to award the touchdown as if it happened. So this is not, it's not necessarily a clear cut, right? But, you know, there's no rule that says if somebody comes off the field to make a tackle, it's a touchdown, right? That's not the case. So it is, it's a personal foul, right, on the player who, who, who did it. And if the player was going to score under the rule, under that rule, the officials can award the offensive team a touchdown. Um, if they choose not to, maybe, you know, he was probably going to get tackled by somebody else, in which case the uh, player who came off the sideline is really, really dumb. Um, then it would just be the normal 15-yard uh, personal foul penalty there. It wouldn't be a touchdown just because they came off the field to make a tackle. Only if the... Um, the official deems that it prevented an obvious touchdown. Would it be called as a touchdown? So there you go. That's what can happen when you come off the sideline to make a tackle. It's on the list of things football players shouldn't do. Don't do it. Wonder what that guy was thinking. Like, it's, surely... it's quoted. It's quoted in the article here. Let me see if I can find this quote. Uh, an embarrassed Stevens said after the game that the move was quote a reflex. Close quote. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, All do, you right. guys, do you guys remember when Mike Tomlin was standing right on the edge of the sideline? Oh, like, yeah, on the punt return. Didn't that cost the Steelers, like, two draft picks? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, wait, he just, interfered with a punt returner? He, yeah, acted like, he acted like he was, like, looking away from the play, but he was really, like, looking at the <laughs> he scoreboard. Acted like, he acted like he was watching it on the scoreboard. Right. But, like, wouldn't you see you're in the way of the play purposefully and that the guy's running straight at you? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. So, Mike Tomlin is cheeky. I, I also don't know how the reflex of an offensive lineman is tackle the guy with the ball. <laughs> like, offensive linemen don't have to make tackles very often. Uh. Like if this was a you know a backup safety or something, and there was a guy streaking down the field, maybe maybe, maybe it was a reflex. But a backup offensive lineman, <laughs> you can't catch up with a guy streaking down the field. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, 
don't do don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah, I would strongly advise advise against doing that. But hey, you do you. We can't stop you. You're right. We cannot stop you. But if you do you and you end up doing that, you might end up on our list of things football players shouldn't do. I mean, that's already on the list, so do something more interesting. Yeah, please. But, yeah, please. Actually, well, I mean, don't, you know, but also do. We're not saying you should do something bad, but if you do, then that's good for us because that's something to put on the list. <laughs> essentially, what we're saying is that we want you to create content for us. Yeah. But make it good content. <laughs> I mean, if it's not good, we're not going to use it. This is a premiere Midwestern-based sport podcast. Not just a eh, Midwestern-based sports podcast. If it's not good content, it ain't getting on here. That's like, right. this is gold content right now. 100%. We're, we're sending out. Speaking Slap. of gold, you should invest in us by listening to us every single week. That didn't make any sense. Good try, though, Kyle. Well, since we're spinning our wheels, we might as well uh, do our last segment of the day, which is, you know, a, a write-that-down prediction segment. Do we have anything to, to pull off the board? We do not, which will probably be a theme here up until the NFL draft when we have multiple NFL draft predictions on the board. It's unlikely that we'll have anything come off the board until the NFL draft. So I'll still ask every week. You never know. Yeah, that's your job. So, so we might as well put some new predictions up on the board then. What do you got, Kyle? Yes, yeah, so with the recent contract restructuring of Sammy Watkins for the Chiefs um, and the little bit of cap room that they have, I still don't see that they have enough cap room to re-sign Chris Jones. And I believe that Chris Jones will be traded for at least a draft pick. I think he's going to be traded for multiple draft picks, but at least a draft pick. Okay, so he's got a cap hit of $16.1 million, basically, for this upcoming season. Since he has been franchise tagged. Yes, 16.16. So what does that mean? Well, so the Chiefs now, like uh, Kyle said, with that restructure, have about $3.5 million of calories. Calorie space, space. Calorie <laughs> space. Salary cap space available, which is probably not enough to sign their draft picks, um, which, you know, you, you need to be able to sign your draft picks. So they are going to have to get more creative with the cap. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened. Uh, single or double, what do you think, Wyatt? Uh, probably a double. I, I'm not... I'm not quite as set. Like I feel like that there's other avenues to go down before you start doing that. Okay, I'm fine with the double for that. There are definitely some other avenues, including restructuring Tyree Kill's contract and yep. doing some other things. But, yeah, for right now, they still need some help in the salary cap Yeah, or doing, some, or doing something with Frank Clark, too. Yeah. He's all, or Tyron Matthew. Well, Frank, also like, like, Frank Clark already know. took a pay cut. Okay, so they probably won't do anything. With, so Tyree Kill or, or Tyron Matthew are probably the other two that could do something with, so... Or at least those are the other really big contracts on the roster. So, um, let's see. My prediction is also going to be NFL draft related. By the way, that's uh, just a timeline, and that's traded for one draft pick in this this upcoming draft, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. 
Sounds yeah. good. Just, yeah. just making sure. Like before the conclusion of this year's NFL draft. Sounds good. Um, I am going to predict that the Vikings, now that they have two first-round picks because they picked up one from the Bills in the Stefan Diggs trade, they will split them, taking one offensive and one defensive player with their mm. two first-round draft picks. I'm, I'm Specifically, thinking- those offensive picks will – the offensive pick will either be a wide receiver or a lineman, and the defensive pick will probably be a corner. Or a safety. They have – Kyle, they have the top two safeties in the league. They're not going to draft a safety. They're, they need another safety. <laughs> they or they also the need two defensive line help. The so, they need some defensive line help, yeah. I'm going to say so double one off, on this. Yeah, one offensive and one defensive player is the prediction. The rest of it was just frivolous commentary. One I'm offensive say, and one defensive player. I'm going to say double on this unless you have any objection, Wyatt. It's pretty... Uh, it's pretty clear that they need help on both sides of the ball in specific categories. I think uh, a double is a fair scoring for that. Yeah, they definitely need a corner because uh, their oldest cornerback, age-wise, on the roster, uh, has never played an NFL snap before. So they're a little <laughs> raw at the cornerback position. Lit. So. They'll be exposed this year. Yeah, they're a little they're they're relying on Holton Hill not to smoke any weed between now and the beginning of the season because uh, if he does, they're going to be really really thin at quarterback. Well, but isn't isn't that okay now? I guess yeah. Technically, they can't get suspended for that, so we're good. <laughs> That's good at least. No, you're you're banking on him not getting suspended for some other crap. Yeah. All right, Wyatt, what do you got for your prediction? So I'm going in back into the world of baseball. Because I miss baseball. I'm going to say Anthony Rizzo, first base extraordinaire for the Cubs. And also plate crowder extraordinaire. We'll have the most hit by pitches out of the entire league at the end of the 2020 season. Okay. So just for background reference, Anthony Rizzo led the league in hit by pitches in 2019, 2017, and 2015. Um, In 2018, he was fourth. And in 2016, he was fifth in the league. And then in 2014, he didn't play a full season, so I'm not going to count that. Or maybe he did. He finished seventh, sixth that year, so he probably did play a full season. So basically, he gets hit. He's always Every year, he's one of the most hit players, but Houston Astros are going to get hit so much this year, right? I So the, my, my thoughts on that is... They're going to get hit a lot throughout the first couple of weeks of the season, and then it's going to even out or be lower than most of their teams just due to um, penalties that will potentially be enforced by umpires. We'll, we'll see what happens, but I don't think it's going to be as big of a as big of a jump as you think. But like pitchers have nothing to think about during this time about except how much they want to hit the Astros, <laughs> especially like, Trevor. Just, I was going to say I could just imagine like Trevor Bauer sitting in his sitting in his house. Just thinking about all the ways you can hit an Astros player this year. Trevor Trevor Bauer just went on Pardon My Take, which is a barstool sports podcast. So take that as you will. But uh, they blatantly asked him, when you face the Houston Astros, how hard are you throwing at him? And he just had a sheepish grin on his face. <laughs> Remember that chuck that he had off the mound over the outfield wall in Kansas City when he was pissed off? Yep. But 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 also bad news. They don't play this year. They don't. 
No, the, the right Bowers on the Reds now, right? And the Reds get yeah. the NL East. The, the Reds get the AL East this year in interleague play. So unless uh, they really redo the schedules to make them more geographically aligned, in which case Cincinnati could play Houston, um, I don't think they will see Houston at all. That is very unfortunate. Yeah, that is that is a bummer. That is a big bummer. Wait, yeah, no, yeah, no. We no. haven't we haven't given Wyatt a score yet. No, we haven't. We got sidetracked. Um, that we're really good at that. <laughs> double. <laughs> I, I mean, I was probably going to say double. There's so many factors that go into it. Yeah, I think it doubles. Including so. actually playing at all this right, season. Right, yeah, including playing <laughs> baseball. So. so, do we have anything from Josh this week? I have not heard back from Josh yet, but, you know, that's probably fair because he's probably working like we should be right now. So. Well, we, we got an extended lunch break. We got plenty <laughs> So, if we don't have anything from Josh this week, that means we have all of our predictions up on the board, which means we're at the end of the Write That Down prediction segment, which therefore means we are at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 76 of the 8311 cast. Appreciate you sticking around because, you know, there ain't a whole lot else to do out in the world at the moment besides listen to the 8311 cast. True fact? True fact. True fact. True fact. If you want some more content, check out our Instagram at 8311cast. If you have any thoughts, comments, concerns about the show, feel free to drop us a line on our contact page at 8311cast.fireside.fm slash contact. Signing off for the 8311cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Rodrigue, and Wyatt Teeter. Talk to you next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.